0: Live from the Jacob Media Studios, it's Serving Our Nation with Dr. Paul McCullough on News Talk 1400 WOND. Be inspired, learn and understand the power of becoming a servant leader and transform your life while serving our nation. Meet those who have served our country. Learn about prosperity and overcome sickness, poverty and despair. Serving Our Nation begins right now.
1: Good afternoon and welcome to episode 34 of Serving Our Nation on News Talk 1492.3 WOND. I'm your host, Reverend Dr. Paul McCullough, and if today is your first time tuning into the program, I just want to share with you a little bit about the heart behind this program. Serving Our Nation is a show that is focused on encouraging people to become servant leaders. And my goal is to offer you hope and encouragement each week through stories of people that have focused their lives on being servant leaders, on living that out on a daily basis, on honoring God. And what I know through conversations with them and my own experience is that when you do that, blessings from God just naturally follow as a byproduct of that service. And at the end of the day, What I really believe is that when we see a need, we need to fill a need, because all of us are ministers in one way or another. We're given special gifts by God, special talents, and it is our responsibility, our calling, our obligation to use those gifts in ways that can bless other people, because serving is for everyone in all walks of life, and we've seen that demonstrated over the past several months by people in all different areas, military, business, faith, community, and family. And just a couple of weeks ago, I had on Minister Deborah Johnson and Chaplain Judy Bratton. And these two women both work in prison ministry. They have street fellowship and they also both work in nonprofits. But they really talked about using their gifts to show love to other people. And that episode really blessed my heart. And so if you missed it, I'd encourage you to go back and listen to that on podcast. But for this week, I want to share with you just a little bit about me that's relevant to today's guest. I shared with you in the past that I served in the military for 20 years but one thing you might not know is that my last assignment in the military was at DLA Defense Logistics, Logistics Agency Troop Support in Philadelphia and the boss of that organization at the time was Major General at the time, Brigadier General Mark Simmerly. And so he is my first guest for today. He is now the Commanding General for the Combined Arms Support Command, otherwise known as CASCOM, as well as the Sustainment Center of Excellence and Fort Lee, Virginia. And he's currently, uh, excuse me, previously served as the J-4 Director for United States Forces Korea. And another... Aspect of my life that's relevant for today Is that I also serve as the chapter president For the local chapter of AUSA The Association of the United States Army And through that uh, A few months ago around the 4th of July I had the honor of having Former sergeant major of the army Dan Daly on the program And today I have his wife Holly Daly She serves as the family readiness director For AUSA And she's a army spouse of 28 years to the 15th sergeant major of the Army, Dan Daly. So when we come back from the break, I'll be joined by major general Mark Simmerly. Stay with us, we'll be right back.
0: If you got pain. he's a pain table. If you feel low You're listening to Serving Our Nation with Dr. Paul McCullough,
1: a Jacob Media production. And welcome back to Serving Our Nation on News Talk and 92.3 WOND. I'm your host, Reverend Dr. Paul McCullough, and I'm joined here today by Major General Mark Simmerly. Sir, are you on the line?
2: Dr. Paul, how are you?
1: Sir, I am well, and thank you so much for taking the time out of your busy schedule, and especially on a weekend, to be on the program here today.
2: Well, thank you. It's it's very much my pleasure, and I want to thank you for your ministry and what you're doing to take care of people as well.
1: Thank you so much. And, sir, you know, it it was such an honor to be able to have you on the show. I recall right before I retired and having many conversations with you in your office about how I can continue with ministry and my passion for ministry. And you really just encouraged me to pursue my heart, and God would lead me down the right path, and I feel like he has. But I really just want to thank you for being that voice of encouragement to me three-plus years ago when we sat down in your office. Well,
2: I remember those conversations well, Paul. I certainly remember your retirement ceremony. And I'm I'm really proud that you've uh, been able to continue with your calling uh and again, it's all about service of others and I, I know that you're doing that.
1: Yes, sir, absolutely. Well, sir, you know, speaking of service, you have a very long and accomplished career. So if you don't mind, I'd like to start by asking you to share with the audience why you decided to join the military, what that journey was like for you, and, you know, not just the military, but our Army specifically. What was your heart for them?
2: Well, I have to say that, uh, you know, my military journey really began at birth. Uh, I was born into a military family. My father served in the Army. For thirty-three years, and, and I always grew up in military communities. For so, for me, when as you know, I became an adult, it was uh, a natural continuation of service for me sure uh, to uh, enter the army. And, and a lot of it was about education as well. I was able to translate my interest into a, a college education uh, that was funded by uh, the military, going to ROTC, and that really opened uh, you know doors for me into continuing service with the army.
1: Wow. Now, sir, I mean, you're a senior leader in our army now. You're a two-star general. And, you know, just in the short time that I was with you when you were at DLA, uh, you definitely struck me as a servant leader, somebody that put their subordinates and their team ahead of themselves. But I'm really curious what servant leadership means to you as an army leader, having been in our army for all this time.
2: Well, I have to say that uh, you know my view is very consistent with uh, the current Army priorities, where we say, you know, putting people first is our number one priority. Yes. It's really been that way always. We've described it in different ways, yeah. but always the strength of our of our of our force of the Army is people, and you know the, the way that you take care of people is to serve them. Uh, and so, you know, I think you know as as you mature as a leader in an organization, you start to understand that the real purpose for you to be there. Is to lead in order to serve others. Certainly not to lead in order to have them serve you. Uh, and so, you know, that's certainly grown more and more important in my role as a senior leader in the Army. Is to serve others and to set that example.
1: So, sir, in your commands, I, I know I was at Cascom when I was a young captain, and I know how large of an organization that is. And you also have. Fort Lee under your purview. Can you give some examples of how you're able to do that in your new role as that CG for such a large area?
2: Well, I tell you, it's, it's a great organization. I'm blessed to have some fantastic leaders uh, across the team. And it's a great military community. We've got our great local community. And I had a chance to serve here previously as a colonel. So, you know, to be able to come back was a, just a great blessing for me. Uh, overall, uh, but you know, when you have an organization that you um, are responsible for, uh, it really becomes important that you learn to delegate tasks, to give good guidance, yeah, uh, and to help your your subordinate leaders be successful. And I really look at that, you know, through the lens of three things. And you know, I've talked about these three things before, and those are trust, discipline, and commitment. Mm-hmm. So for me, that's the way I shape my approach to leadership uh, is through trust. understand my responsibility to build, sustain, and extend and share trust in the organization, uh, to be disciplined, you know, be focused on uh, holding myself accountable to our standards and helping others hold themselves accountable, and then having a commitment to team success and a commitment to team excellence. Mm -hmm. So that's really the lens that I use uh, with any organizational leadership challenge.
1: Well, sir, I'm curious. I mean, when I was with you, I was a senior lieutenant colonel, and I had an opportunity to interact with you quite a bit through various staff meetings and officer call and all like that. So I was able to witness firsthand how you're a servant leader, and you know, you were able to kind of instill some of that in me through our interactions. But I, I wonder how you're able to do that for such a large area. How are you able to, you know, kind of push or give that example out to maybe young soldiers that are in AIT? At Fort Lee, how are they able to know, hey, General Simmerly acts this way? He's the CG for Fort Lee. Let me get my act together and lead and serve in the right way.
2: Well, you know, just as it is at any echelon of leadership, you know, whether it's coming in as a platoon leader or, or as you move up, it's really about setting the example. Yes. And uh, helping to uh, demonstrate the values of the organization, demonstrate your personal values and what you do, but also to communicate very deliberately what your expectations are uh, so that others understand and they can model it. And, and, and you know what they always say, and I truly believe it's, it is true, I mean, I, I really believe it's true, it's that it's always about getting the people part of the organization first and then performance will follow. Absolutely. So if you can set the culture uh, of a high-performing organization that values its people, then all the work is going to be done uh, in the right way.
1: I love that. So, sir, with all the time that you have been in our Army and all the different organizations that you've led, is there something that really stands out to you as, you know, just one of maybe the favorite moments of your career when God really showed up in one of your interactions with your soldiers that were under your command?
2: Well, you know, I have to say that uh, I felt the presence of God throughout my career. uh, Mm -hmm. And I've been blessed in so many moments uh, through... The wisdom, the inspiration uh, that I received you know, from his influence. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, there's many, many things I can think of in my 31 years of service. Uh, and some of them are really tough moments. And, of course, there's very many positive moments. And, and I'll say on a personal side, you know, I remember a lot of my farewells from my family. And yeah. seeing uh, other soldiers farewell their families. Yeah. But, of course, what I really remember most fondly are the reunions. And that's when you know, I got a chance to be reunited with my family and to be with other soldiers that reunited with their, their families. So I remember those moments uh, very well. But there is a, a favorite moment that's very recent uh, that I'd like to share with you, and it's related to a mission we have here at Fort Lee right now. You may know that with Operation Allies Welcome that we're hosting Afghan immigrants here. Mm-hmm. In fact, we were the first Army post, the first American post, to receive them uh, beginning on the 30th of July. Mm -hmm. And to be standing at the uh, base of that bus as those uh, Afghan families came off and we were able to welcome them here at Fort Lee, uh, to see our soldiers hand their young children American flags and to see the men place their hands over their chest uh, in honor and gratitude as they came off uh, and to know that we represented freedom and security for them, that was one of the most gratifying moments I can remember.
1: Sir, you know, it's very interesting that you say that, because not too long ago, one of the chaplains from your installation, he reached out to me in my capacity with my work at the American Bible Society, and, you know, I mentioned to you that I always wanted to get into ministry. That was my goal after retirement, and I was able to get a job with the Armed Services Ministry, and my whole mission there is to get the Word of God into the hearts and hands of service members across our country. And so one of your chaplains from Fort Lee, he contacted me and he asked me for some uh, resources that would be appropriate for a Bible study, specifically for the mission that you're talking about. And I was able to send them hundreds of different Bibles and Bible challenges and reading programs and all things of that nature. And he contacted me shortly after, because I sent him the materials expedited, and he was just so thankful for the materials and went up and down about how much they were being used by the Afghans and the chaplains. So, sir, I'm happy that I was able to take part in that operation in just a small way to support what you're doing.
2: Paul, thanks for that. And and I have to say that uh, your contributions were also joined by the contributions of thousands of people across the country. In fact, as we... uh, organized to support this mission here, one of the things that we underestimated was somebody to manage donations, mm-hmm. uh, because we've had so many, whether it's clothing items, food items, educational items, like you mentioned. Uh, it's it's really been uh, fantastic, the support that uh, has come in from across our nation to help these people.
1: So, sir, when you talk about uh, managing the donations and things of that nature, it makes me think about the larger field of logistics and you know this better than many people Uh, there's a lot of commentary or maybe joking particularly from people that are maybe you're in the infantry about you know oh well what do we need you logistics guys for and da 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 -da. but in my heart Logistics is so crucial to our Army, and I wonder if you would just share just a little bit about why you wanted to get into logistics and how being in that particular career field and managing that now for our Army is so critical to serving our Army and all the people that you are supporting through those logistics.
2: Well, well, Paul, you're probably familiar with a quote from then General Eisenhower when he said, amateurs talk tactics, professionals talk logistics. Yes. Uh, And and we know that logistics, you know, the business of arming, fueling, equipping, feeding, clothing, uh, and sustaining our forces is really foundational to any success we're going to have on future battlefields and current battlefields and to our current readiness. Uh, So, you know, it's it's really gratifying to be uh, a member of the profession that ensures our battlefield success uh, through... all the logistics requirements that are, are necessary now and in the
1: future. Yeah. Well, something else that's been on my mind, sir, and, you know, I'm pretty sure it's probably something that weighs heavy on you as well. Is the number of people in our army that think about or actually attempt to hurt themselves and you know from a ministry perspective I do a lot of work towards that ends of trying to reduce that or eliminate that but I know it's an army senior leader that's also uh, something really important in your foxhole so I wonder if you would share just a little bit about your heart for that and what you can do what you do do from your foxhole to help bring those numbers down
2: well, Dr. Paul, you know it's a challenge for our, our society. It's certainly a challenge for the military and the Army. And, you know, this the past couple of years have been really tough in terms of the losses that we've experienced. Yeah. Seen, uh For our service members uh, and, and our, our soldiers uh, and family members as well, I should add. Yeah. And so this is something that uh, is, is a significant challenge for us all. And I don't think there's any single solution. Mm-hmm. I know there's not. Uh, but I I do know that we have to take a very programmatic and deliberate approach to educate uh, all the members of our force our leaders and our soldiers as to the alternatives to suicide yes those things that people can reach out for whether it's the ministry whether it's our behavioral health folks whether it's people to help them with financial or other family hardships they might be experiencing and you know certainly the sense of isolation that's out there—that's one of the things that I think we're most concerned about. Our soldiers who are isolated either from family or friends uh, or their networks—you know—which is which frequently happens when soldiers are disassociated from uh, others as they enter the force and as they move around. Mm-hmm. And so, getting them connected into units to build strong, cohesive teams uh, is the, is part of the challenge. So, you know, educating our junior leaders. Uh, to know their soldiers, to understand when risk is existing uh, or risk is persisting, uh, and then developing strategies to communicate with our soldiers, the alternatives that are out there to that that uh, you know aw- awful choice of taking one's own life
1: awesome, well, sorry, I have to ask. I mean, you said that you've done thirty two years in our army, so i I wonder what blessings God has brought into your life through all of that dedicated service to our armies there's something that really stands out as you know Wow, if i hadn't joined the army i would have never been able to do this whether that be through your command or maybe someplace you lived or something you got to do with your families there's something that stands out to you as just a tremendous blessing you've received
2: Well, you know it's, it's difficult for me to say there's one thing but but i will say you know probably the the one thing that i would narrow it down to is is the chance to to lead others mm. The chance to develop others and the chance to benefit others, and you know we you talked about it earlier uh, on servant leadership. And you know, as as long as you're doing something that is meaningful, uh, that's relevant, uh, developmental, and fulfilling in the profession, uh, and you're still making a difference every day, I would urge anybody to continue to serve. So, uh, in, in my case, you know, entering my 32nd year of service. Uh, there hasn't been a single job, there hasn't been a single day uh, that I've put on the uniform that I haven't felt relevant, and I haven't felt that I could benefit an organization and its individuals. Yes. And uh, I hope to continue to serve as long as that's true.
1: Amen. Well, sir, we've got about a minute left. So the last thing I wanted to ask you before you go, you know, you mentioned that God has been present throughout your life, and you're certainly a man of faith, and I knew that from conversations I've had with you in the past, but I wonder if you would share any advice that you might give to a young officer that's just starting their career, especially about how you think they can go about balancing the needs of work and family and, you know, all the requirements of being an Army leader.
2: You know, the the balance question is one of the toughest ones that uh, any professional uh, has to concern themselves over, whether it's with the military uh, or not, Uh, and, and I would just say, you know, have a plan on how you want to prioritize what's important to you. Uh, You know, my my life, my my personal priorities have always been faith, family, and career in that order. Yes. Uh, And, you know, if if that's true, then you should build your time that way. Yes. uh, And allocate the time that's necessary for your priorities. And when it comes to your family, uh, be disciplined, uh, learn how to separate the urgent from the important, and those important things usually are uh, the, what's critical to long-term success of your family, uh, and not allowing your career to drive all those decisions. So and that's what I would would instruct uh, and advise uh, junior leaders uh, on how to you know, have their family life in order.
1: Amen, sir. Thank you so very much for taking the time to be on the program today. I can't tell you what an honor it's been to have you on the show, and I really just appreciate your time,
2: Doctor Paul. It's been my pleasure. Congratulations to you on your ministry and thanks for your
1: service. Thank you so much, sir. All right, when we come back from the break, I'll be joined by Mrs. Holly Daly. So stay with us. We'll be right back. WOND
0: Pleasantville. If you're interested in connecting with Dr. Paul McCullough or interested in being featured on the show, contact Jacob Media Partners via LinkedIn. Now, back to serving our nation.
1: Back to serving our nation on News Talk 1492.3 WOND. I'm your host, Reverend Dr. Paul McCullough, and I'm joined here today by Mrs. Holly Daly. Ma'am, you on the line?
3: Yes, sir. I'm honored to join you today.
1: Well, ma'am, first of all, thank you so very much for taking the time out of your busy Sunday and, you know, what I'm sure it's family time just to be on the show here today. And before you join the beginning of the program, I mentioned to the listening audience that you're the wife of former Sergeant Major of the Army, Dan Daly, and I had the honor of having your husband on the program around the 4th of July time frame. So I really appreciate having you on here to give the other viewpoint, the other side of the story of what Army life is like. Yes, sir. Well, ma'am, if it's all right, what I want to start off with is maybe like the highs and lows of your experience of being an Army spouse for 28 years. What was that journey like for you, the good and the bad, especially, you know, as your husband reached the rank of Sergeant Major of the Army? Yeah,
3: there were so many highs, um let me let me think um like when my husband would come home from deployments or in field from field exercises mm-hmm. you know we'd get so excited and, um or when we did company parties uh when my husband was a first sergeant but it's also about the bonds that you made with the people that you become army family with right and the yes. communities that are there for you so there are so many highs um say the lows. I would say it was saying goodbye to my soldier and seeing our son get, say goodbye to his father when he had to leave to go fight.
1: Wow. And I'm assuming that your son is in our beloved army then?
3: Our, our son, oh, he's grown, he went to college, and he is uh, working, so he is... Oh, down, okay, I get
1: um, it. So your son saying goodbye to your husband when your husband had to go away. that That's what you're saying? Yes. Okay, got yes, it. sir. And so when your husband was in all these different leadership roles, I mean, what did you feel that was your responsibility? How were you able to kind of serve your husband during his military career? What was your role as that army spouse?
3: Um, well, supporting my husband directly, it was really important for me um, as his wife, you know, being a military spouse was um, letting him always know that I was always going to be at home waiting for him. You know, that it didn't matter where we lived or what we lived in, I I would just follow him anywhere. So that was really important to me. And then... Um, when we first got married, I just tried to learn so much about the Army, because I didn't know anything about the Army, and I wanted him to know that I respected him, and I still respect him, and I respected his profession. And so throughout his career, um, as he was you know, advancing through his career in the Army, I wanted to learn more so I could cont- continue supporting him.
1: Well, ma'am, I, I love that. And as somebody that also served in our beloved Army, I can't tell you how much that means to a service member. Just to have a woman at home that's willing to say, I'll be here for you no matter how long it takes and you know, no matter where you have to go, I will be by your side. And that willingness you expressed of wanting to learn all about the Army. I remember when I first joined and I was a brand-new second lieutenant, my wife wanted to join uh, the classes for Army Family team building, just to learn the lingo so we could have a meaningful conversation and she could understand what I was talking to her about.
3: Oh, yeah. Yes, Dr. Paul. First, um, thank you for your service and your family for their service. But I understand. I can relate um, to what your wife did because that's how I started. I went up to ACS and I also went with my husband to unit events just so that I could learn more about the Army life and the Army culture. Yeah. that
1: was real important to me. Yeah. Well, reading through your bio, I mean, you're, you're a pretty humble person because uh, you've also done so many other activities, and you haven't really mentioned them, but, you know, so many different activities and organizations that you've supported, and you were able to serve other family members during that long military career. When, would you just share just a few of those and all the different things that you've done to support military families throughout your husband's military career?
3: Oh, sure. Um, Thanks for asking. So, uh, like I mentioned, I wanted to learn more about the Army, and and I did. I went went up to ACS, and I took all the AFTB classes that I could. But back then, we didn't really have formalized FRGs or SFRGs, as they're called today. Um, So over over the years, I just tried to learn as much as I could, and of course, you know, fell in love with my Army family and um, tried to learn... What I could, I wanted to be relevant and know what uh, resources was were out there. So, if an army spouse would call me and they needed help, I wanted to make sure that we could figure it out together. Maybe we didn't have all the answers, but we could get connected to resources or find someone that could help us. So, uh, while I could, I took as much um, training classes as I could through the army that they that they offered to the spouses, um, mm-hmm. and then. I volunteered for boards, you know, whether they were army boards. And as my husband progressed, I continued volunteering um, all the way up to uh, DoD boards um, and then to the administration boards.
1: And you've gotten a lot of recognition for those boards and all of your activities as well. Oh yes, sir. <laughs> Yeah, you're a humble person. You don't want to talk a whole lot about it, but I'll just say for the listening audience, uh, you're very well accomplished, and uh, you've been recognized multiple times in multiple forms uh, throughout your husband's military career, and not because of anything your husband did, but because of what you've done to serve your husband and to serve military families. So, again, ma'am, thank you for what you have done.
3: (laughs) Thank you. That's very kind. I I appreciate
1: it. Well, I, I wonder, I mean... As the wife of the sergeant major of the army, arguably you have a lot of military wives looking to you for an example. So I I wonder how from that position of leadership, you were able to model being that servant leader. You were able to encourage army wives of, listen, I know that army life is hard, but this is how you go about serving your husband, supporting your husband. This is how you go about being a FRG, family readiness group leader. How are you able to lead in that capacity, ma'am, and really encourage those Army wives?
3: Well, I hope that I come across being humble and leading by example, but, you know, I I firmly believe that we're all leaders at every level of our life, no Mm -hmm. matter what we're doing. Um, And there's really no rule book, you know, as being an Army spouse and and being in a leadership role. um, Of course, there's a lot of, you know, training and programs and policies, but uh, to me it's about letting other Army spouses know that that they have a sense of belonging, right, and to give them ownership and to help them reveal their wonderful skill sets and have the opportunity to build upon their passions and hope that they will then pass that on to the next Army spouse.
1: Yeah. You know, ma'am, I had a guest on my program uh, a couple of months ago, and he talked about people want four basic things at their core. They want to feel loved, valued, they want to feel like they have a purpose, and they want to feel like they belong. And from what you're describing, it sounds like you have really hit all those four things in your leadership as that Army spouse throughout your career.
3: Yeah. To me
1: it's, it's all it's all about helping the next person right you know um, it's all about human respect absolutely I, I wonder was there a time that really jumped out at you as you know just a very special moment you know maybe when you were by your husband's side at you know some kind of uh, ceremony or award dinner or maybe it was a time that you were counseling and another army wife is there a time that you really just felt like God showed up and this was a very special moment in your army career
3: Oh, great question. Um, well, of course, the, the first thing would be marrying my soldier and, you know, <laughs> being blessed with our son. But um, in the Army career, there is one. Um, it, it, it was, um, I learned the importance of being there for our Army families and especially our surviving families. Yeah. And unfortunately, the toughest time in my career um, and the hardest thing for me was to tell a spouse, that the person you love is not coming home anymore. Yeah. And imagine what the spouse and the children that family is going through. It's indescribable yeah. And to me I learned it didn't matter if they remembered who I was or what my name was. You know, it was important to me that the spouse the family knew that they were not alone. Right. And that they had a support and that we are all family and and that is a, a memorable unfortunately,
1: several memorable moments. Well, you know, something else that really jumped out at me in your bio, ma'am, you didn't just serve as the Army spouse. You also had full career in your own right and full-time jobs in the business world, um, including teaching, so that really blessed my heart because my wife has been a school teacher uh, my entire military career and still is, um, even now I've been retired for three years. So I wonder if you would share with the audience how you were able to balance having that full-time job and your role as a military spouse, especially as your husband got into more senior levels?
3: <laughs> well, um, I did have a career before we got married, right? And mm-hmm. um, in the beginning, I thought, this is going to be no problem. We're going to move around the world, and I'm just going to keep climbing the corporate ladder. Yeah. Right?
1: <laughs> yeah, it's harder than it but, looks.
3: Uh, I, yeah, so I quickly learned that... Um, um being a military spouse and moving around there were challenges that came through it but over the years i did learn that it was um, more important then to find a job that supported our lifestyle than it you know than it was to have a specific title and in yes. and a higher salary and keep climbing that ladder and yeah um but i did still want to increase my skill set and contribute to my family and I did have to learn to check my own expectations and, and realize that I needed jobs with flexible hours or that I could be there um, to go to our son's school and sports and still volunteer for the Army when my when my husband was gone. So I had to learn that. That was part of my um, balance, right? Um, but, we, you know... I supported our family, and our husband, and accepted that lifestyle because I love it. Um, but in gu- regards to balance, that took me a while because my personality was go, 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 fall yeah. over, go, 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 fall over type of thing. Yeah. But I had a battle buddy that taught me that it's about quality over quantity. Yes. Right? If, if you're going to give 1% to 100 things, you're going to be very thin, right? So it's better to give what you're passionate about and what you can give to because your quality will come through better and you can help others better because you got to take care of yourself too along that journey so I did have to learn that but I I eventually did
1: (laughs) (laughs) well and now you're still blessing people and serving people in your role at AUSA as a family readiness director so i wondered like what blessings that you receive from that job your husband is still in a leadership position uh now in AUSA, and i assume that you get to work with him in some regard. so you know what are the blessings that god has given you now and that uh, opportunity to bless people and to lead and serve people
3: oh yeah um well, the, the greatest blessing is to be able to continue to take care of our kids. So my husband and I call all our <laughs> our army soldiers and families our kids. Yeah. So um, that is the greatest blessing, and AUSA uh, gives me that blessing, and we stay connected with all of them and and our communities. And it was very hard for me when we retired, when my husband retired. Um, I think I took it. I, it was harder for me leaving the army than it, it was for him. Um, but here at this job, you know, we have that honor to do, to do that. So, and I'm blessed, actually, as the uh, AUSA family director to be able to carry on um, the great programs that Patty Barron and Sylvia Kidd built here at AUSA and the family readiness directorate.
1: Awesome. Well, ma'am, we've got about a minute and a half left. So, I wonder, would you just share with the listeners today? You know, if maybe they're just starting out as a military spouse or, you know, maybe they're just a young spouse and they have a husband that has these, you know, brilliant career ideas in front of them. Um, but, you know, they, they want to have a life of their own. They want to be able to support their family but still have that life. And, you know, you mentioned that balance. It's, it's hard to do. So what advice would you share with somebody that maybe still wants to be that strong woman and help their husband but not lose, you know, who they are as a person?
3: Um, bloom where you're planted Yes um, Actually serve in the compute communities where you live Embrace it Because it's up to you to To accept the lifestyle And make the best of it Right um, And to, you know the army's going to Give you things you've never dreamed of It's going to open doors Sometimes I miss doors Because I was kind of narrow minded Because I thought I was controlling the situation Yeah um, But when I've learned to accept it Um and and look look around me and and learn every time we moved you know you got to learn the new areas and what there was to offer and learn about the new cultures and just embrace it and and love it and and roll with it
1: I love it Ma'am thank you so very much for what you've done for our army what you've done to support your husband and what you're doing now to support our kids as you call them in AUSA It is a blessing <laughs> to know you
3: Oh Thank you, sir. I had the honor of being on, and I, I so enjoyed this. Thank you so much.
1: Thank you so much, ma'am. All right, when we come back from the break, we're going to reflect on the lessons of servant leadership that we've heard from today's guest. So stay with us. We'll be right back.
0: Time stands still I turn my face to the sun Close my eyes Let my defenses down those wounds that I can't get around If you're interested in connecting with Dr. Paul McCullough or interested in being featured on the show, contact Jacob Media Partners via LinkedIn. Now, back to Serving Our Nation.
1: And welcome back to Serving Our Nation on News Talk 1400 and 92.3 WOND. I'm your host, Rev. Dr. Paul McCullough. And as we close out today's show, let's just think about what we've heard from our very special guest for today. You know, I was so impressed by what I heard from both of the guests from today. And there's so much to talk about, but I want to just start with what we heard from Mrs. Daly. So when you look at serving in business and the workplace, she mentioned that it's quality over quantity. Many of us have this idea that, well, we have to do all these things and we have to be involved in all these things in order to make an impact. But that's not necessarily true because she was very intentional about wanting to really focus on serving her husband and then serving the people in the Army as that Army spouse. So I loved where she talked about that. And when you think about serving in your community, she mentioned this idea of blooming where you're planted. And I can tell you, as somebody that served in the Army for 20 years, and uh, Sergeant Major of the Army Dan Daly did much, much longer than I did, and she was with them that whole time, being in the military and being successful is very, very much about blooming where you're planted and my wife may not have had the same experiences as Mrs. Daly, but the concept of blooming where you're planted is so very important because everywhere that Mrs. Daly went, she made a point, like she said, of learning about the organizations that were around her, learning what she can get involved in, learning about how she can make an impact, where she could serve, whether it be the family readiness group or maybe something that her husband was involved in. I love her heart for the community. And the final thing she said that really, really touched my heart. She said, it's about accepting and more to the point, embracing what God gives to you. The lifestyle, that the situation that you have at hand. Because listen, at, there's no single time that any of us thinks, well, this is it. I've arrived. Everything in my life is perfect. No, that's not the case. There's every situation that we have, there's good and there's not so great. But the real key is Focusing on the good, being thankful for the good that God brings into your life, especially right now during this season of Thanksgiving. And then when we think about what General Simmerly discussed, you know, his focus was more about serving in the military. And he really described this issue of putting people first and practicing trust, discipline, and commitment. And, you know, maybe there's some people that are in our military now and they're listening. I don't want to encourage you to live the way that General Simmerly talked about, putting people first. And I love his heart where he said the greatest thing that he's gotten to do in his 32 years of military service is have the chance to lead and to serve others. And the final thing that I think was so important about what General Simmerly said is how he serves his family. He said to have a plan. And he said his focus throughout his entire career has been faith, then family, and then career, in that order. And he allocated his time and his resources in that order. So I would encourage you today to have a plan for your life. It's not about having a great career and making it to be the president or the CEO. If you lose your family in the process or if you lose your faith in the process, that's even worse. So I would encourage you to have a plan and to set priorities for your life, And listen, each week I talk to you about this idea of when you put good into the universe, good comes back to you. And I had a friend that was recently talking to me, and you know we were discussing life is not about what we have. It's about what we do. And you know, I've been doing this show for about the past eight months, and I don't have any real clarity on exactly how many people are listening or the impact that it might have on any one individual person. But I was blessed this past week where three separate people individually really just gave me words of affirmation and told me how much this show has meant to them in their own personal life. And that really just meant so much to me. And I truly hope that this show does something for you. I hope that each week you're able to take away just a small nugget, just something that can help to impact your life, to help you to grow as a servant leader, to help you to break through the bondage of darkness and have freedom in your life. And you know, it's really important as we approach Veterans Day, the most important thing you can do is to thank a veteran for their service. Show them that same kind of appreciation And next week, we're going to have bookends to celebrate Veterans Day. I have Mr. Robert Boyer. He's a veteran with a very powerful story of God's grace, as well as Colonel Retired Steve Miska. He's also a veteran and an author. Very powerful stories. Can't wait to talk to both of these gentlemen. Listen, as you go about your week, no matter where you're at, always ask, how can I help? Thanks for listening, and join us again next week.
3: Great is
0: Your faithfulness, Your faithfulness, I'm stealing Your hands, this is my comfort, You never fail me.